Welcome to Black Sheep by BBH. I'm your host, writer and performer, Daniela Isaacs. This podcast celebrates those that don't follow the flock. Across the series, I'll be having conversations with some of the world's most notorious black sheep. We'll hear their stories told through the rules they've broken. Black Sheep is a podcast about rules and how to break them. Our Black Sheep this week describes themselves as Tina Turner meets Lizzo meets Kat Slater. She's one of London's finest drag exports and is a staple on the cabaret scene. Meet Vinegar Strokes. Vinegar found international fame on RuPaul's Drag Race UK and was loved so much that Canada recruited Vinegar to present Canada's Drag Race Extra Lap recap. And if that wasn't enough, when theatres weren't just a memory of a time gone by, Vinegar was performing in the West End musical Everyone's Talking About Jamie, alongside Michelle Visage of RuPaul fame, of course. And behind, or alongside maybe, Vinegar is Daniel Jacob a 35-year-old cisgendered black man from Enfield. So today, I'm talking to them both, I think. Or should I call you Daniel or Vinegar? I feel like as we're keeping it professional and we're on the podcast, radio, in a nice booth, I think Vinegar is the way to go. That way way we can get camp and the listeners can feel like, oh, wow, it's a meet and greet. (laughs) (laughs) It's in my ears. (laughs) As long as you're not too professional. Oh, Absolutely not. Yeah? I, I can't even spell professional. Was it one S or two? <laughs> Can we get a dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know, Vinegar, um, the name of the podcast is Black Sheep. What did uh, you call me? <laughs> Vinegar, is that I'm a Black Sheep, but okay, fine. <laughs> um, I like to think of Black Sheep as someone that breaks rules, goes against the grain and disrupts in some way. Mm. Would you say that as Vinegar and as Daniel, you would kind of align yourself with being a Black Sheep? Absolutely. I feel like my whole life has been about breaking rules, not really following um, the kind of norms of being a performer or training or whatever. I feel like I've definitely carved out my own way. Some of it has been great. Some of it's been a bit random. Some some of it has been quite weird and wrong, but I feel like I wouldn't be who I am or where I am today Mm. and the kind of artist I am right now um, without just going... Fuck it, I don't, want to, I don't want to do what you're saying. I want to try this way instead of that way. Do you know what I mean? Do you feel like it was a choice or do you feel like you were kind of born a black sheep? I feel like I'm just naturally someone who doesn't like to follow the norms of what everyone else is doing. I mean, when 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 Harry Potter came out, I mm. literally was like, I'm not going to watch Harry Potter because everyone else is. I'm going to wait. And I still haven't even seen the films yet. I read, I know I should have <laughs> that. But I feel, I feel like because when someone is like a fad or, or a way that something should be done, I'm always trying to find the way of how can you do it a different way that works for me. So I think I've, I've done that from like primary school, generally. Just mm. um, it's just like a natural thing for me. Did you ever try to fit in? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a human... Thing where you kind of you want to try and be part of part of the group and part mm. of that thing just for like um social needs or just kind of trying to fit in in some shape or form but i always felt like when i did i, I stood out even more for trying to fit right. in so i was like well i might as well do it this way and then that will just kind of work or work out or it won't so who knows so and i'm sure we'll talk about this in much more detail as we go through your broken rules but do you think that as a drag performer um it's you can't not be disruptive. 
absolutely i think you know when you're a man in a wig and you're walking on stage or walking down the street or whatever you are disrupting the kind of you're disrupting the day for a lot of people a lot mm. of people who are going going through their day going right this is this is my life a to b and then you <laughs> see a black guy in a wig um who's giving it you know larger than life that's a disruption for their day on their thought process of what's going on some people love it some people are very confused and i think it's a beautiful thing if drag ever becomes a norm forget it it's over like what what next? will you do instead Oh, I'll probably become, I don't know, I'll, I'll probably go and bake off and try and win that. <laughs> Got to win something. Um, so I, I want to talk cake. about that in more detail, like this idea of competition. But before we get into uh, RuPaul or any of that, mm. let's start off with the first rule that you have broken, please. Um, you can't be openly black gay and camp in the 90s and i felt like um i've broken that rule for sure for sure and so let's just kind of do a rewind back to the 90s Mm. um what how like explain the kind of landscape you were in enfield yes oh the 90s were great are you a 90s baby i I was born in 1990 you were born born in the 90s oh i hate you already (laughs) (laughs) so i was born in the 80s but um the 90s was like the kind of growth you know where you kind of remember you start remembering i think between like the ages of like zero to like five you're like man i'm just Mm. here whatever um so yeah the 90s for me is like is like the ideal decade of just everything's kind of different and the music's great and film pop culture mm. is is brilliant i think the whole not that i've ever done drugs and that kind of stuff but i feel like there's a just in the way pop culture was back then there was a big influx of like techno and club culture that came in which i think really kind of affected you know, television I, I, I remember watching tv shows like late night tv shows where it's like i feel like i need to be on like an acid trip to watch this and it's that kind of thing and it's all I know I just love the nineties and the Spice Girls were invented. Yeah. I mean, come on, like come on. I thought the nineties had such a great impact on who I am. Um, especially a lot of my references and influences for my drag as well. They all really stem from nineties films, nineties TV shows, pop bands, fashion, makeup, all that kind of stuff. It really comes from that nineties vibe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as you're describing <clears throat> it, and I do remember it a little bit. All right, um, it did feel like the kind of main explosion in terms of culture mm. in my lifetime, really. Mm. Um, so, with that in mind, why did you feel, or why do you think that there was a kind of unsaid rule that you couldn't be openly black and gay and camp yeah. in the '90s? I think there's this thing where, when you obviously for, for starters, you know, when you come from a from an ethnic family Mm -hmm. background um already there's this kind of stigma of being of being gay or being a lesbian or being trans whatever is absolutely wrong for whatever reasons whether it be religion or just or just culturally it's just not something which is the norm um i get that you know i I get that you know in the in jamaica you know if if you're which is where where my family are from um you know it's not the done thing so was there quite a religious connection or not really i'm not really from a religious family really but i i do know that culturally there, there's still a connection with with my with my caribbean culture right so as much as i'm as much as i, I don't really go to church in fact when i was a kid i was the only one who actually went to church oh really my mum never went my brother never went and i was like i'm going to church today she was like all right fine um <laughs> so i would always kind of put myself into these kind of landscapes to kind of learn and educate mm. and then and then luckily for me i kind of found out oh this actually wasn't something that was going to be- benefit me in the long term in life. But for for whatever age I was, say, like, was a t- 
nine, 10, 11 years old, that kind of ages. Um, that was that was great for that time. And why do you think you were going? What were you searching for? Um, one, I thought I had to go because, right. because I was part of this little kind of um, thing called the, the Boys Brigade, which is like the gay brownies, essentially, which, which I think it was in any way. <laughs> so, good little hat, little jump, it was cute, it was a nice outfit. Um, and so, because I went to that, I always thought I had to go to church. So, even when I left Boys Brigade, I was still going to church right. on Sunday. Um, I don't know, I love... I mean, I love church. I love buildings. I actually went to a church because um, I went camping um, just this last weekend and we went to this thing called the Towers and there was a church which was next door to it. So I love the kind of architecture and the art of mm. church and religion. I think just from like a just from like an art side of it I yeah think it's performative got, like like well. I think I think it's gorgeous like the windows because like, I was like I love the building mm. so I loved it for that I don't think I really understood why I was going I just felt like I had to go but because I was going I was learning more about religion learning more about people but as obviously as I'm growing up into my teens and realizing oh there's something different here I'm looking at I'm looking at Sean and not Sarah mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm like oh maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't go to church because that's just a bit of like a you know it's a it's that it's that juxtaposition of, of a gay person going to church yeah probably isn't right obviously for my young brain I don't know that. So I'm like, I'll go, but now I won't go because I'm now feeling this kind of way. Right. But for those kind of three, four years, I really found, um, I don't know, I just found a a kind of a piece of myself which was understanding. I think I got a lot of empathy for people mm. and hearing stories and being like, oh yeah, I can relate to this person's story because I, because I'm open enough to hear. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, totally. Yeah, I feel, I feel like church gave me that part of my personality that I'm, you know, I'm very open to just people and learning about people's lives and their background and not judging them in that way, even though religion is very judging. But I felt like I went there and learned how not to be judgmental because I was hearing people speak about themselves, about their families and stuff. And just getting an understanding of what religion is and how it means to people Mm -hmm. and how my, my connection to religion is different to someone else's. But it's okay because, you know, there's still a connection in some shape or form, so. And did you feel within your religion um, that there was some form of judgment in terms of your own sexuality, as you said, during this kind of transitional phase? Yeah, it's it's so funny because when you say your religion, I never felt like I had a religion. (laughs) I just felt like I was going to learn about religion. Right. To make up up my mind of, do I want one or do I not? So I would definitely say, um, I know it's very wanky to say, but I definitely am more of a spiritual kind mm, of person. Not wanky, in, but do you know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people be like, "Oh, you're just saying spiritual because you know it's just the the, the buzzword." But actually, I think because I don't have a specific religion in terms of I'm not Catholic, I'm not Christian, but I feel I have a very, I don't know, I feel like I have like a very kind of well well rounded perception of people mm. and lives and why people have a connection to a, a certain religion. Just because I don't doesn't mean I can't empathise and understand that that person has this belief system. I have a belief system. It just just doesn't match theirs. But it's all the kind of same. In, it's, it's, it's in the same house. I totally. Think. But did you ever experience homophobia within church or within no, Christianity? No. no, only because I, I wasn't I wasn't out. I wasn't really gay then. I, I, obviously, I was. But like I wasn't like thinking... I wasn't, I wasn't connected to being gay at that point. Yeah. Um, so what was of, the connection? What we... Yeah. With church, you mean? No, or, with your sexuality, I guess, at that point. I'm just thinking about this broken rule of yeah. you can't be openly gay. Therefore, what does that feel like when you can't be open about it? I think I only really had a really 
strong connection to it when I hit, say, 13, 14. Yeah. I always call myself a late bloomer. I always feel like I, I find things later in life. Like yeah. a, lot, a lot of people find things. Yeah, I'm gay at eight years old. Great. I'm, <laughs> that's great that you, that you know that. But I always find that I find things later in life. So I feel like I had a, a connection to sexuality when I became sexual, like when, mm-hmm. I, when I felt sexualized. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I never felt like a sexual person at 11 years old. I know some people do. And lots of people have, you know, messed around at, at young ages with other kids. I'm like, oh my Jesus Christ, that's great. Good for you. But um. I never felt that kind of way as a kid. So I felt like when I found that connection sexually, I then was like, oh, so this is why I felt a bit... So it's like finding the gayness, mm. queerness, whatever you want to call it, made me go maybe almost like a checklist. Like, oh, I get why I was like that at school. I get why I went to church and had to learn that. I get why I understood a lot of myself, say, three or four years previous. Yeah. Um, because I had realised, oh yeah, gay is a thing, and it's and gay is something that I could absolutely be. Uh, was I scared of it? Absolutely, because again, it's something I didn't really know. Same as the same as going to church, I didn't really know much about it, so I have to sit and learn about it. I suppose um, when it comes to being gay or being queer, or whatever, um, if you don't know enough about it, if you're quite ignorant to it, you need to then learn about it. It's same as anything. So for me. I learned about it through having a certain group of friends. I learned about it through going out and jumping on the scene and meeting other other gay men and other queer people and being like, oh, actually, it's quite, it's actually okay. It's not, it's not a scary world to jump into. So you were a teenager in Enfield. How did you find that community? Um, quite camp actually, quite fun. Um, I, we, well, luckily for me, I, I had a couple of friends who were also um, in my year at school, and we were all like, we're, we're the gay boys, but we're, we're like the quiet gay boys. We don't want anyone to know. So, how did you find out that they were gay? Oh, sleepovers, and yeah, then the then the the, the, pon- the pornography would come out. I've got a video. Do you remember those videos? <laughs> I've got a video. Want to watch it? And it's obviously straight porn. And you're like, mm. the gay boys came out l- literally. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you just kind of discover things through friends and whatnot and we were kind of like we were a little group so we kind of hung out loads and we would like bunk off and that kind of stuff and do things whatever um and we started going clubbing a lot mm. and then we kind of created this mad like groups like circle of friends um lesbians gay men fag hags all these all these kind of weird and wonderful people that i thought you'd only see on like, on, like a tv show you'd only see these like, this is my characters. ignorance what's a fag hag so a fag hag is a straight woman who is the best friend of a gay man. Got it. A fag hag, obviously. She's a fag hag. Yeah. She's a hag of a fag. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so I would meet all these random people and be like, oh my God, I would only see this on like a random TV show, like, like Crew as Folk or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Like, you're just, you'll just meet all these random people. And what's nice on, on top of that, they were all like, they were quite creative and artistic. Mm. And, you, and you're like, oh my God, so you're... You're an actor. You're a writer. You're a you're a painter. You're this. I was like, these are these are really cool people. Yeah. So for me, I kind of found a way of finding this tribe of people who were out, gay, proud of who they were, and on top of that, they were they were artists as well. And I'd never met many people like that, especially a bit older as well. I was going, oh, I'm eighteen. I'm actually fifteen. I'm eighteen years old. I'm doing this. Um, and so were you actually at school? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we used to go out like 15 <laughs> years old, 15, 16, go out with, with, to our parents that were going to this place called Salsa Bar, which I think is still there as well. And we would actually be across the road in, in Astoria, in yeah. the, in JY, um, having a good old time. And it was great. And it was and it was so nice just to kind of discover this world, but still feel safe in it as well. 
it never felt scary. It never felt like it was dangerous. Well, let's go back to that part of your life. Mm. So at the in, during the 90s, uh, meaning your teenage years, yeah. were you still living in secret to your family? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I came out to my friend when I was 19. Um, so... So how were you living that double life? Um... <laughs> Quite, I don't know, quite easily. It's just something, just, just something you never spoke about. Did like, you ever get sad about it? Like, did you not want to talk to your? I know you live, grew up with your mum and your mm, brother. Mm. I wish. I mean, absolutely. I do wish that I could have had a bit more balls to say I'm going to come out and just say it. But I think. But it's not on you, right? Like that's to do with your upbringing and your your kind of, as you said, Jamaican heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but again, it is it's kind of on me because I did put myself in the position to say I'm not going to say anything. Because of, because of whatever reason. Um, if I just said, I'm just going to come out and see what happens. But because I had the fear of going, I'm going to get thrown out of my house. Because I've seen a lot of people do that. Like a lot of people came out and they get chucked out of the house really? and that kind of stuff. But I, but I was like, I've got the fear. I don't want to, I don't mm. want to get, I don't want to get disowned because of who I, who I fancy, who I love. So. And what did that do? Sorry to interrupt. <clears throat> no, just, right. what, what did that do in terms of your relationship with your mum? Oh God, very much like, it was very much like there was a, there was a divide there. I was very much, obviously, when, when you're a teenager, you grow up and you're like, you know, you're being quite angsty and that because of t- typical teenage things. And when mm. you've got being gay or whatever on your on your shoulders, it's like, you do put a divide in between there. So I think she just really wanted me to come out and be like, just tell me what, what, what's going on because I'm, I'm your parent. I want to know. Um, and I think because I was like, I'm not going to give you that because... I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's a control thing. Mm. I don't. I can't control how you're going to react. So I'd rather just not tell you. Um, so I'm, I'm gutted that I didn't tell her earlier. But I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm glad that I kind of just, not glad, but there's no regrets into mm. the way I handled it. Because at the time, you, that's, that's, that's what you know, isn't it? That's, what, that's the way you kind of think you have to, yeah, of you have to handle it. Um, and again, you know, if you fast forward 10 years from when I was 16... Um, it's so much easier. Mm. Fast forward twenty years, it's, it's mm. even more easier, mm. you know, because you, you see gay people on on a daily basis on TV, music, and whatever like that. So for me, I didn't feel like I saw many gay people who just kind of looked normal. And I'm using the quotation marks for that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can be like, well, they're gay, but they're normal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, def- there's definite fear there. And did you battle with that internally as well? Definitely, yeah, yeah. There was a definite thing where I really did, did want to fess up and say something but i think again when, when you put yourself in that mind frame of i'm not going to say anything and then a week passes and a mm. month and a mm. year you're like well okay I've, I've come this far now there's no point but i did always say if she ever asked me i would say yes yeah and that's what happened so she asked me and i was like yeah i am so she so i kind of passed the buck on to her yeah. in, in a way um so yeah so that that made it a lot easier for me just to go there you go. But that but that was at, at like 25 years old. That was really, you know, that was after drama school. And yeah. That kind of stuff. So, and was that um, to your brother as well? Um, so my brother wasn't told. <laughs> but again, he kind of, I think he knew anyway. Mm. And it wasn't until he actually saw me in drag. <laughs> yeah. So again, for him, I was, oh God, it would have been like five years later. So he, he didn't actually get the confirmation until I actually started drag. He saw a picture of me on Facebook and he was like, look, I know, I know, you're gay, you're doing this, and it's totally fine. So... But, sorry, I'm just checking in here. Like, to hear someone else be like, it's fine, doesn't that annoy you? Because why is it their judgment? Why mm-hmm. is it their decision? It is annoying. Mm. Of course it's annoying. Like, it's annoying that I didn't have the balls just to go, 
I'm gay. And then, and that's it. Because it's not, it's really not a big deal. Like, it's nothing. It's, it's human. It's human, exactly. Um, but, you know, I think for me, I definitely, like I said, I put myself in this mind frame of, I'm never going to tell these people who should, who should obviously know. Mm. But in my head, I was like, no one needs to know. It's fine. You know, it is what it is. But actually, you know, they should know. And it's, you know, and what I realised is, you know, you are kind of, when you don't, tell your family at least or the people who you're close to your your real truth of who you are you're actually robbing them of the experience of knowing who you are do you know what I mean Um, and I think that's I think it's it's quite unfair but again when you're young and you and you're just and you've got the fear of God which you've put in yourself then you kind of go okay that's kind of what it is but yeah the the great thing is is that that my family are totally totally fine with it Um, it doesn't I think they've I think they've had to adjust to to what this kind of thing is obviously that's it's completely alien to them like having you know a gay person um who they probably don't even know many gay people outside of the family so to have someone in the family it's like okay cool would you ever turn up to a family event as vinegar strokes um i haven't turned up to a family event but i have i have been at events where family have come to see it so i'm like hi here (laughs) you go and they and they absolutely love it they absolutely love it and it's and it is crazy like it's crazy to think that if if I was to go back to when I was say sixteen and go, just so you know, you, you you're gonna be wearing a wig for for a career. What? First yeah. of all, that's a shock. Are you joking? And then to say everyone's gonna know, your family's gonna know, and it's all gonna be good. They'll be like, okay, great. So uh-huh, yeah. yeah, so it's so it's very interesting to be like, I have got a a amazing support system, but I just wish I gave them the opportunity to be that that support mm. system. Say five years earlier or 10 years earlier but again you know you again you can't you can't get to where you are now without having those those things happen and those kind of things about your character that you need to look at and go just be brave enough to say something mm. just be brave enough to, to to own it um and i think when it comes to this role i think i broke it i think i broke it slightly with friends and stuff i was very much like hi drama club and that kind of stuff i was very much myself but when it comes to family i feel like i had to let my mum kind of help break it yeah 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 to get what i mean totally get what you mean let's just move on to the word camp because that's part of this rule um i sometimes wonder whether camp now has negative connotations what do you think about that let let me tell you a quick story so when i was at youth theater um i was being myself being very audacious and that kind of stuff and I think I, I was one of the older ones, so I was already like, I'm the older one, I'm the best one here, da, da, da. Um, I remember one of the teachers there, she was like, in front of everybody, like completely humiliated, going, Daniel, why have you got to be so camp? And mm. I went, and I was devastated. I was like, what? What are you on about? Uh, this was in front of all the kids. Everyone was like, oh, you're camp, ha, ha, ha. And I was literally like, I'm devastated. So I so I kind of acted even more like an asshole just because just because I was like, you know, we, you know, we get really embarrassed and then go like, I'm going to act even more like an asshole because I'm literally like embarrassed. I'm like, I've left my body. I've gone. Yeah. I've, I've left the building. Um, I, I, People call me Campino after those little sweets. Yeah, little I sweets, love those Campino. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, Campino is kind of stuff. So I was devastated. So I hated the word camp completely. Right. And from that day, I tried to find ways not to be camp. I was like, I'm not going to be camp today. How were you not camp? Oh, just, I don't know. I wore black. Um, I wore, <laughs> I, 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 instead of a vest, I wore t-shirts, who knows. But, um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, try, I just tried not to be camp. Um, and again, I think camp 
has so many different guises now. Like Camp, because obviously Camp is was like, no, the limp wrist, you know, Judy and Clary. Oh yeah, the mm. Jeremy, very. Mm. That was Camp. I think that's what people saw as Camp. I think Camp now is so broad and it's hilarious because I feel like people have embraced the word camp as being something really positive and really fun. Um, and I just think, okay, for me, how am I camp? Um, personality, the fact that I've got a personality, because some people don't have a personality. Mm, mm. Um, the fact that I am very outspoken about certain things. Um, I think for me, camp is such a broad term for Daniel. Um, whereas for someone else, it might just be kind of, oh, she she, she wears a she wears pink trousers, yeah. she's camp. Um, it's so broad. So I think camp has now turned into a really positive thing. I think it's been reclaimed. I think people going, I'm camp and I love it. And people get it. And now, like, with, with friends of mine, we, we would literally use camp for anything. Like, if someone, <laughs> says, if someone says, oh, um, how was your trip to, to the dentist? It was calm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, it, so I've definitely reclaimed it as a word that I absolutely adore. Um, do you think people choose to be camp? Like, do you think you can be like performatively camp, or you're born with camp? I, th- I want to be camp. Babe, you can. <laughs> Thanks. Look, look, look she's, got, she's got a leopard print scrunchie. That is, is leopard print. It's very camp. Thanks. It's very camp. Um, I think I think you're either born camp or you can just be camp. Yeah. Whatever. Um, camp is camp. Yeah. I, you know, camp. We're born naked and the rest is camp. Yeah. As, as I now say, sorry, RuPaul. But um, yeah, I think camp is just one of those things where. You, you wear it as like a heart on your sleeve and if you wear a little bit of colour or you or you like a certain type of music or you speak a certain type of way, you could be straight in camp, gay in camp, trans in camp, black, Chinese, whatever, whatever. You could be, everyone can be camp mm-hmm. and it's fine. It's, it's totally fine. Perfect end yeah. to your first broken rule. Can you please <laughs> tell me the second rule that you've broken? The second rule that I've broken is drag is an act. Okay. Mm. Can you break that down for me? Oh, gosh. So you're saying drag is not an act? Drag is not an act. Yes, that's right. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying, listener. <laughs> drag is not an act. <laughs> so if it's not an act, what what is it? I think drag is so broad now. So many people that I know who do drag come into it from so many different angles. Um, I personally come at drag from a performative point, point of view theatrical i'm creating a character i'm doing comedy i'm singing i'm speaking i'm doing this kind of stuff um some people come at drag from from a makeup point of view they're just great in makeup so they want to pop, pop a wig on now it's drag some people come at it from a point of view of gender and how they feel their gender is being expressed and sometimes they, they choose they choose to do it through drag some people might do drag to find their gender you know, if they're trans they might find their way into into their new a new body and using drag as that vehicle into it um for me drag is like i said it's theatrical and that kind of stuff and it's and it's a point of view that i like to put so anything i like to say or sing about or even whatever um i use drag as that vehicle to mm. get my point out when we spoke briefly yesterday you said to me that it's the most truthful side of someone mm-hmm. and i guess that's really fascinating because as a spectator it does feel incredibly performative mm. so can you explain that to me so um i think the best way to start this answer that to start it off um there's a great quote from rupaul um where drag actually reveals who you are as soon as someone pops on a wig, pops on some makeup, and they feel a certain level of confidence with that, because it is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cloak. Do you know what I mean? You, you pop it on, and you do, you do feel a certain level of confidence. Um, 
drag literally reveals the kind of person you are. So for me, mm. um, you know, I do literally turn into this kind of like this kind of sex vixen, but but, but I I find the funny side of like sex and that kind of stuff because because that's just who that's the kind of humor I like. I like humor which is a bit lowbrow, and it's you know I like laughing at the thing of this is a natural thing, but oh my god, you know. The pubes were, were so bushy. Mm. Do, Jeremy, you just, you find something which is funny about about who you are sexually, that kind of stuff. And so, how is that um, kind of covered up, perhaps, when you're Daniel? Um, oh, I'm not really that flirty. Like, I'm really bad on dates. Um, I'm really bad at like you know flirting with men and trying to get a boyfriend. Still very much single. Um, so, if any listeners, please slip into my DMs, <laughs> please. If you're cute, thank you. Um, so yeah, I do. I Daniel finds it very hard to. Um, be sexy in a mm. way. Do you know I mean, you know, some people just like naturally, like, oh my god, you're like, you just ooze sex appeal. Mm. I find it very hard to ooze sex appeal. When I do, I'm like, I just feel creepy right now. Like, and when it. vinegar is on, <laughs> vinegar's on. Oh my god, you know, she's just like, she's got it. Like, she's literally got the got the humor and the sex appeal all there, ready to go. So, do you ever want to access vinegar when you're Daniel? I do. I do all the time. Like, I I access I access that kind of confidence. And that's what it is. I think. I think overall, what drag does to anyone, it gives you a confidence which you might not not have day to day. Um, and I, I'm a big believer that if you do anything, and again, not just drag, but anything where where you where if something makes you feel confident, just because you're not we- wearing that that lipstick one day, or you're not wearing those pair of shoes, or you're you're not you're not doing something that gives you the, the confidence you have when you do it, doesn't yeah. mean you can't access it and use it day to day. Um. I think that's like a drama trait as well. Like you, like for me, when you do drama at high school or something like that, it's not about you becoming the next big actress and that kind of stuff. It's actually ma- making you a better speaker in public. It's making you a better person uh, just to have a conversation where you don't feel shy. It, 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 you know what I mean? It kind of brings out the bits and pieces of you which are going to push you forward in life. So. Yeah, with that in mind, um, what do you think the reason was that you kind of turned to drag? Uh, money, basically. <laughs> Damn, I was yeah. looking for way more like emotional. Oh, um, answer. You know, it's so spi- looking, yeah. spiritual, spi- <laughs> you know, spiritual guidance. No, <laughs> so basically, the whole reason why I got into drag for, for the first for the first time, I want to do that. Uh, the whole reason why I got into drag for the first time was purely because I was doing stand up and I was very kind. Con- I don't want to say depressed because I've not been down that road, but I was feeling very down of where I was going in life. I was working in Harrods and I was like, oh, you probably beat, beat that. I was working in a shop. Mm. It was very, very expensive and, you know, everyone wore black. And I felt like I had lost all my identity. I'd lost everything about me, which was really fun. And I was just like, I just don't like being here. So I put myself back on the stage by doing stand-up, something completely out, out of my world, out of my comfort zone. I remember I was just like a, an empty actor. I was like, I'll just do stand-up, why not? Um, and from that, I got offered a gig at my friend's bar. Um, he was like, I'm doing like a Halloween night. Can, can, can you come do some stand-up? Great, um, but can you come as like a witch or something? And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not coming as a witch. You must be mental. <laughs> ne- then he said to me, I'll give you 60 quid. Same breath. What, what time do you need me? I'll be there. What time do you need me? So, um, so purely it was it was like sixty pounds that got me where I am today. I spent it now, Jesus. But um, I I look back again, again, same as the whole church thing and whatnot. I look back and I go, okay, if I look at the the stage directions of my life at mm. that time, there were so many signs and so many people who were, you know, um, 
subjectively is that a word subjectively or so whatever objectively 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 telling me yeah do drag do drag do drag um but um again i'm a big believer in listening and Mm. if there are things happening in your life that kind of point you in a certain direction do it within reason um just just don't get a rash that's that's my my big rule (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) um so i was getting pushed in this direction of do drag, do drag. And it wasn't until that gig came up that I went, oh yeah, more people have been telling me to do this. Um, like this, this girl was writing a script to her and she was like, I've got this part for this this female um, boss woman and she's a complete bitch. Um, but I feel like, I feel like you, you'd be great at playing it. Ha ha, yeah, great. Thanks a lot. I never saw her again. <laughs> but again, that's a sign. Mm. That's someone telling you. Yeah. So the signs have always been there. And so initially, what was your kind of feeling about like, kind of falling into this drag world um i thought it'd be a one-off thing i thought i'll i'll do it for the cash which which i've already spent on the outfit so i haven't i'm doing it for free anyway now um so i just thought (laughs) i'll do it once and that that will do it be a fun like it'll be a fun like halloween thing get dressed up do you know what i mean be fun for that and had you ever dressed up as a woman before never so how did that feel like psychologically fabulous yeah it was so good i always loved the wig anyway like again being an actor um you know i think you'd agree that sometimes um as an actor you just love the costumes Mm. love the i love that side of it as well because again i I, even at lip i used to love going into the um into the design department and be like Hi, just come for a look. I'm not, sorry, just come for a look at the at the costumes. I used to love that side of it, and I was like, oh my god, I've I've always loved the wig, always loved the wig. Um, so this kind of works for me actually, and because I'm a big person, big person, yeah, big person. But I love, um, I'm a big fan of like um of improv and making characters. Anyway, that's, that's always been the way that I've learned how to be an actor is through improv and character development and that kind of stuff. I was like, this is no further from what i love to do anyway so i'm just putting this mm. and this and these things in there and we've got a and we've got drag and we've got what i'm doing so it just felt great it felt like everything i've i've learned over the years from being a kid up until i started was like all coming into this cauldron and being like oh we're now stirring it mm, we're tasting it it's good yeah <laughs> so going from that witch to vinegar strokes what was that journey like pretty easy to be honest the the only thing i really had to do was just find a way to to get a gig because i didn't know i didn't again i don't know the world um i was doing stand-up so i kind of had met a couple of people who were like producing cabaret and that kind of stuff so a friend of mine who was just starting drag as well um at the same time i was like look i don't know how how we're going to do this but i really want to perform now i don't just want to like walk around and drag going look at me look at me Mm. who cares um i want to i want to perform i want to see how this feels on a stage Mm. with a proper audience with my own words my own songs whatever like that so i was like how about we just produce a show so he was like okay i don't know how to do it either but we'll just do it so we got onto batsy barge uh, which is like a canal boat with a stage and some lights terrible sound everything like that but it was great um and we produced a sold out variety show we've got lots of different singers and jugglers and performers to come in and, and perform but essentially it was for me to try out drag mm-hmm. it was i didn't care about anyone else i was like this is my show and i'm doing this for me no one else you're just here just to just to kind of facilitate my my discovery and so going into the drag world as a novice how did you work out like what the conventions are or were you kind of black sheep in your approach and just thought i don't really care literally that black right. sheep black sheep in terms of i again that's probably another rule that i broke in terms of i don't know how to do it i don't know what the 
what the format is, if there is one. Uh, so I'll just make my own. So the fact that I produced a show off my own back without even, and that was my third time in drag without alcohol. Like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so the fact that I've done that is like massive because no one's doing that, you know? Um, so yeah, I just kind of did it. And so when you started to like assimilate with the other drag performers, mm. did you face any backlash? No, no. Because at the time, I think I was, I came at a time when Drag Race, especially, was around, but you didn't really get it in this country mm. that much. It was here, but you, you had to really kind of look for it to get it. Um, and I think because of the style of drag that I do, which is very much, um, I talk on the microphone, I sing. I don't actually lip sync. I don't do a death drop. Um, I'm... I'm harboring British culture, British drag, British entertainment, but I'm just kind of linking it with, well, at the time, which I thought was nice, but really not. Nice makeup or a nice wig, which really was bad, by the way. The pictures are <laughs> awful. Uh, she's much better now. But do you know what I mean? So, so I think because I was doing British drag in terms of the performance, but also linking it with like, you know, what I thought was nice makeup, nice outfits and that kind of stuff, um, it kind of worked. So there was no, and actually a lot of people were really happy to see me see me there, you know, because now I think we get a lot of young kids come and do it because they're a byproduct of Drag Race. Right. I, I never felt like a byproduct of Drag Race, so I was a byproduct of British culture. And my references were all, from, as I said, from the 90s, um, you know, Joan Rivers, all these, all these different comedians and stuff. Um, so I was coming from that end of it and theatre as well, as opposed to, I've seen Drag Race, so I'll just, I'll just do it and I'll, I'll do a death drop. So, yeah. And how would you say that British drag differentiates to more like international or American drag? Um, I think, you know, our culture has had drag in it from, from the dawn of time. Shakespeare, you know. Um, Juliet had a beard and a big cock. That's mm. that's the that's the that's the truth of it. Get get Juliet in. Or she's having a slash. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, she's standing up. Um, do you know what I mean? So we we've had drag in our culture from from the get go. Panto dames, and then we've got Lily Savage and Dame Edna. All that because we've had drag in our culture all the time. And I think because our culture is very much about, especially the drag scenes and the gay bars and stuff, it's, it is about. Get on the microphone. Get get that really bad dress on. That short wig, bad makeup. Get the get the mic on. Let's do some cock jokes. Let's, let's sing "I Will Survive" and have a good old time singing to a bunch of gay guys. That's the culture, you know. Um, and I think what's happened is around Europe and that kind of stuff. What their kind of influences are. I think it does come from that very American side, where again the, the drag races are where it's, it's about lip syncing and lip syncing is great. I think it's a great art form. Um, but I think a lot of people are becoming lazy with it, where they where they just want to lip sync to Ariana Grande, do a death drop for that minute, yay, for the cheer from the audience, but there's no substance. And I think actually, from a UK point of view, if you talk on the microphone, e even if you're dying, bombing on stage, at least you've at least you've made the effort to write something and say something. Um, so yeah, I think that's where our culture comes from. Just hearing you say your reference points of British drag artists, they were all white. So I guess as a black performer, how did that feel stepping into this kind of mainly white yeah. UK world? Well, I had I had lots of black um, references who are comedians like Whoopi Goldberg, Eddie Murphy, um, you know, um, show, shows like Desmond's and Real McCoy and um, good, Goodness Gracious Me and that kind of stuff. Like all my references aren't necessarily drag performers but they are people who did create characters and for me that's still drag like you know if if you are wearing a wig and, yeah. and you are creating a character you're still you're still doing a form of drag it's just not the traditional kind of 
you know, sequin dress and that kind of stuff. So even though, like, in terms of drag, my, my references were quite were quite white. I felt like I had a really good mix of of women, gay guys, straight men, straight women. Um, you know, drag, non-drag, comedians, ca- character actors. All my references come from that whole pool. Of course, your your references do, but in terms of like looking at um, inspiration, did you ever feel like there wasn't enough inclusivity? Oh, um, I I don't know. I feel like there is enough in- inclusivity. It's just who's doing it, who's actually out there doing it, and if there's not if there's not many black drag queens out there doing it, then they're not going to have you're not going to see them yeah you know I, mean? so I felt like i was quite i was a bit of like a i don't want to say pioneer but i was one of the first kind of black drag queens to come out in london who was doing what the white drag queens were doing were you know talking and talking on the mic and singing and that kind of stuff there's only there's only really even now there's only really a handful not even a handful of black drag queens who i know who actually speak on the mic a lot of them i know are like oh no i can't speak and how does that make you feel um great because it means that if people want people want a black drag queen who can speak I'm, hello i'm here for the gig yeah. i'm available but also i i think it's a shame and not even because they're black like across the board it's a shame that you feel like you can't speak and you're not funny enough or you're mm. not you're not engaging enough to to speak because if i had half what they had oh my god i'd be like you know superman like that because they these are some of the most talented fiercest girls i know mm. but they feel like they can't they can't speak on a microphone so um, I feel like I feel happy that what I'm doing is very different to what they're doing. I'm, I'm not just doing Beyonce. I'm not just doing yeah. no, all that kind of stuff. But I do feel like um, there needs to be a shift in 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 the confidence of certain drag queens because they're great. They're great at what they do. And if they just again, if you just put ten percent of what of how great you are in a lip sync into speaking, oh my god, you'd, you'd be amazing. But please don't speak because I want the job. So don't <laughs> speak. <laughs> And what do you think of um, diversity within uh, the drag race itself? Um, okay, so a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's not really diverse and that kind of stuff. I think the show is diverse enough to... Is it, it's, dynamic, it's diverse to a point of, like, race. You know, we've had... We've had I think the, the past three winners of, um, of the US one have all been black. Um, there is an issue with the kind of gender uh, diversity, which I think... I would love to see a trans queen on there. There's, there's, a, there's a queen called Juno Birch who is, you've got to look her up on Instagram. She's absolutely incredible. Trans, um, drag queen, phenomenal act, phenomenal, just just brilliant. She's got like a million a million followers and that kind of stuff. Um, who She, she would go on it and win it. Mm. I, I just know that for a fact. It'd be great to see uh, some sort of trans queens on there. Or even trans kings, whatever, drag kings, whatever. But I don't know. I feel like the show has been gone for so long now and the format is so set and not not as rigid because they because they change it up every season, but it's so set in what people know. Um for people like me who's part of the community, who's part of the industry, it's great. It'd be great to see that. But I feel like for the, for your Joe Blogs who watched it from a from a from a spectator's point of view. I don't know if they're gonna. I, I, I want. I think they'll be accepting to a point, but it'll be something else they need to learn. I feel like um, we need to get off this kind of focus on drag race. And what other platforms are there? There must be. There, there are other platforms that can be created. Um, the Boulet Brett Brothers have got um, their own kind of version of drag race. What's it called? Um, 
oh god, I can't remember what it's called now. We'll like, find out and put it on. Yeah, show pop notes. it on there. <laughs> Just like a series voice. It's this. <laughs> um, and they and they have um, um, AFAB queens, drag kings, you know, trans that kind of stuff. And they have people in there uh, from all all walks of life on there. Um, there are other platforms that are there or could be created. It's just a case of finding that other platform because I feel like with Drag Race, if we just focus on one thing, we're missing out on so many other ideas that could come and could blow out the water again. I kind of want to dig into this a little deeper mm. and I think we can with the third and final rule that you've broken. Um, rule number three that I've broken, a party can't be political. Mm. 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 <laughs> How profound. Mm. What do you mean by that? So I think a lot of people don't know that drag is very political. I think just being talking on this podcast is me being political in some some sort of way. Um, you know, you're you know, it's a platform which is providing a gay black guy who has a wig for a living to talk openly about life and talk about the community and talk about drag. Now, I think people just think that drag is just for entertainment and party, which it is, obviously. But I am a strong believer that every time a person who gets on stage, who is dressed a certain way, saying certain things, that kind of stuff, is putting out a political voice in some shape or form, whether that's small or directly. We're talking about politics right now. Do you know what I mean? I think uh, just existing in this very much cisgendered white man's world that we're still in, Mm -hmm. we're still in it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think it's amazing when we can see a woman get, get up on stage, a black woman get up on stage, a black guy, a Muslim, you know, get up on stage and they're dressed in drag head to toe feeling that confidence which actually a lot of people would want to take away from that person and do their thing and put their voice out there even if the room is just filled with like 10 people they're putting it out there they're changing someone's opinion in that room right, right, right then and there and as um i guess drag race becomes more and more mainstream do you think that that undermines or exacerbates um like the political uh, power of drag um no because again okay prime example in my in my song camp which is my first single on, on itunes and um, i i purposely wrote the, the the um the two verses to have a bit of a political edge to it so in the first verse i say um hello darling i bet you've never thought you'd see a show starring a working class black bitch okay <laughs> So that's me. That's that's basically me in a nutshell. I'm working class. I'm black, bitch. So, but that's the thing. I I firmly believe that Joe Blogs out there would never thought they would switch on switch on the telly and see someone who looks like me, sounds like me, is doing this kind of stuff that I'm doing on on their telly. Um, and I think just me being the one black person on season one coming from a working class background i'm very proud to put that out there as well you know my as i say my, my whole drag for vinegar is inspired by working class black women because uh, you know my mum for instance is the most for me is the most powerful woman in my life because she's raised two kids on her own um you know she, she's gone from quite a big job to a shit job to, to look after me when I, when I was ill um and it's for me a working class black woman is just the most powerful thing out there mm-hmm. for me um so i think having drag race as this kind of mainstream thing 
But the fact that they're putting people like me on this show to openly say, it's great to be working class. It's great to be black. It's great to be a bit fat. It's great to be this, great to be this, great to be gay, whatever, um, is a massive, massive statement because I know when I was 15, 16, there was no one like that. Yeah. No one like that. Maybe that goes back to the first one where, because I didn't see anyone really like me, like me on telly or whatever, who was black, gay, and open about like, who they were, or if, if they were, I didn't see them. I wasn't. I wasn't. They weren't accessible to me. Um, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Totally. I guess though the um, format of the show is that it's a competition. Yeah. So we're still basically playing into the entertainment. Well, entertainment, but also like the capitalist hierarchy of someone needs to strive and win, and also mm. playing into this idea ideal of like feminine beauty. I'm mm. saying that with inverted commas. Yeah. So like. How how does that sit with you? Because yes, um, we are kind of raising the flag for drag, but it's mm. still within quite a neat um, framework. Yeah, true. For that, for those for those eight weeks that the show is on, definitely. Yeah. But as I always say to people, it's not what you do on the show; it's what you do afterwards. Yeah. I I I left the show third. I got chucked out third. Thanks, RuPaul. I got chucked <laughs> out third. Yeah, I feel like I've done. I'm one. I'm one of the queens out of the ten who's done the most. Yeah. Um, to to pu- push forward um, black rights. Um, I've done the most to, to, to promote myself as a well-rounded performer. I've done radio, I've done a bit of TV, mm. I'm doing I'm doing a recap show, I'm showing not only my character as a drag queen, but also my character as a person, uh, and I'm putting everything out on the table. So I can say that confidently because I know a few of the girls from my season haven't haven't really done much, you know? And these are people who went way further than me, maybe even won it. You know, it's it's a thing of, it's not what you do on the show, it's what, it's what so I get what you mean about um, in the kind of constructs of the show and the format, we have this finite thing of we're, we're competing to be the best, the best makeup, best hair, best outfits, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. But when it comes to outside of the show, we're no longer competing with each other. We're competing with the with the constructs of the world to go, this is a mm. great art form and we're here to inspire. We're here to influence in a positive way. Um, and we're here to show that there is more to uh, the art of drag than just a man in the wig. There's actually a whole thing of, of people connecting with these kind of misfits. <laughs> I guess, do you ever feel like as one of the only two black, drag is that was right on your so no i was the only black guy and then there was some who was right uh, so who's vietnamese so we're, we're, we're the two pocs of the of the group there's more on season two <laughs> there's more <laughs> okay so i guess even in that was there a part of you that was like mm, i i'm i'm being part of a box ticking here or not um no and i've had this question before actually no only because um Again, you've got to look, look at this way. The UK is way smaller than than the, than the US. Okay, so there's going to be just by just by numbers, there's going to be more black queens or POC queens in America in the fifty is it fifty two states, fifty four hundred? Who knows? They're all whatever. But in those, we'll amounts, put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> Siri, there are fifty two states um, in these those amount of states, and there are in the UK. And then of those people in the UK, how many? Uh, POC performers are applying 
and out of those people who are applying, mm. who's ready to go on the show? Yeah. I, I know on the first season, I was like, okay, there's these, these two, two queens that I know, two black queens, gorgeous. Um, and I said, you two would absolutely get on the show. I just knew from the time I met them before even Drag Race happened over here. Um, not one of them applied. So I'm like, okay, so that cuts down numbers again. So out of so you have to look at it from the point of view of who's applying and if they're applying, are they ready to go on to a show like this? Yeah. I was not the most polished person to go on the show. You know, my, my, my drag at the time was was still very much, I was still kind of finding it very hodgepodge, as RuPaul like, has to call me. Um, I was still finding what was good, what was bad, all that kind of stuff. But I had something that I could offer to the show. Regardless of the colour of my skin, I, I, I had... I had something that was offered to the show, regardless of black, white, green, whatever. Mm. So, um, what do you think we can learn from the show? Oh God, there's so much to learn from the show. I think, first of all, how to do makeup, <laughs> how to do your hair, how to wear something. Um, but also, I just think it's that learning of acceptance of people. Like I said, you're turning on the telly, you're seeing a working class black bitch. <laughs> on the show you're mm. seeing you're seeing a twink who's got bad teeth you're seeing uh you're seeing a ginger kid who's done drag for five minutes you're seeing um you know the person who won it who's got fillers and that kind of stuff um uh, from liverpool but it's been do doing drag for 100 years you're getting bag of chips who's, who's sober oh my god um you're seeing such a diverse range of queer people who would never ordinarily get a chance to have a platform like this if they were just men in real life and you gotta remember there was a time when gay people queer people were not allowed to have these kind of platforms there was a time when black people were not allowed time when women were not allowed to have these platforms so i feel like we're learning about acceptance through a very extreme mm. manner which i think is exciting because you know, the more color and glitter and more cam you can throw at something the more people are going to learn and more people are going to listen you know we cannot move forward as a society as a world unless we are learning from each other because that's how you educate you, you, you educate to educate and mm. um, you learn to educate as well so I think even if one person who has a really fixed idea of what a gay person is or a black person is, whatever, um, can watch Drag Race or listen to a to a, a Black Lives Matter movement or read a book and have that 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 opinion changed, and they can pass it on to someone else. That's where we start to get a change in 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 the a wider spec in the wider you know. Yeah, world and outlook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me, please, the one rule that you will never break? I uh, will not um, stop creating outside the box. Okay. Should I elaborate for you? Please do. <laughs> so, um, so for me, as I said before, I feel like I've always been like the slow burner of life. Like I've always kind of found things later. Um, and even as like an actor training and... Um, you know, learning how to be a performer and work in the industry and that kind of stuff. I've always felt like I've had to go through the back door and so many opportunities that I've had, um, which have been amazing. But I, I always say to myself, that's great, but what else can you do? Mm. And I think that's, I mean, that's, that's even how drag happened. Like, the reason why I was so open to it is because I've had this thing of, what else can I do? that's not working right now so is there something else i can do that's why when i when i started stand up that purely became out came out the thing of i'm not acting right now there's no auditions what else can i do 
oh, I'll try stand-up, that will do. And then that then that rolled on to drag and rolled on to wherever like this. So I always, I always say to myself, what else can you be doing? Even if you're doing the thing you're doing, but like even now in, in, in COVID season, obviously Pant- I had Panto booked in, that, that's, that's been postponed and cancelled. So I was like, okay, cool, what else can I do? Great, I'll do, I'll do a full tour, a, a, a Christmas show tour. And that's, and that's just an example of something where I go, you can't have this here, so you have to think of something else to, to, to supplement that. So I will just do my own thing and create outside the box, I suppose. Just thinking about COVID season, mm-hmm. uh, have you noticed that there's been support or a lack of support for um, drag uh, venues and um, various schemes or, or not at yeah, all? Yeah, I think there's been a massive uh, support for, for drag artists um, online. Like, I, I feel like a lot of stuff, a lot of people have. Uh, really embraced it, digital shows and I still get messages now like I'm, I'm doing a digital show would you like to be in it so people really embrace that side of how to get yourself out there um I think just in terms of venues I mean it's it's so crazy that like venues are open but you can't have any lot live performances yeah again you know same as theatre that kind of stuff we will get back to that place it's just gonna take a little bit of time um and I think it just goes back to that thing of what I just said what else can you do? Yeah. If you can't get into a venue, great. What else can you do? Oh, and, and you, you can get online. If you've got no Wi-Fi, what are you going to do? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's that thing of you just have to think to yourself, what else can I be doing to still keep myself in this industry um, to keep my dreams alive mm. and that kind of stuff? I, I guess, you know, this the drag world has always been so... Um, active and um keen to be seen uh, regardless of mm. the laws that are surrounding it mm. so if anyone can survive then yeah. i reckon it's the drag and this is the thing like i always say to people you don't <laughs> like i know people are like but you, you do drag I, I don't want to do drag you don't have to do drag you know if you're a singer write write a song and sing that if you, you know if you're a director write a script and direct and find a way to do it online or do or do like a, an online piece write some poetry there are ways for you to Still do your performing and do the things you love doing, but you just have to, again, just think outside the box. What else can you do? What else do you enjoy doing? Or what else have you not even thought about that you can try and go, oh my God, that's a Same me and drag. I never thought of drag. In fact, I was very much anti, I'm not doing drag um, for whatever reasons. Um, mainly because I thought, I can't do that. Mm. I, I, I can never look a certain way. I can, never, I can never do that. But I did it and you feel a certain way and the feelings come before the looks, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you can do something else to supplement your, your, your acting or whatever, or dancing or whatever it is, I promise you that that something else takes you right back to the thing you wanted to go to. Mm. And it really it really does. And do you ever feel scared? Uh, oh, God. Ever feel scared? I feel scared. Yeah, do you know what I do? Because if I don't feel scared, I'm not doing it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. By that, I mean... If I don't feel scared that I can't save a grand a month for that, for that mortgage I want, or if I can't pay a bill or something like that, then I'm not I'm not in the right space or the right industry. Like I, you need to be scared because this is a this is a scary industry, especially right now. Scary times. Sc- who who would have thought that we would have been in a place where we can't work for four months, four four to five months? Insane. Mm. Um. So thank God I started doing drag because I would be like everyone else if I was just a drawing actor. Well, I have to pack pack up my jazz hands, pack up my tap shoes. I have to work in Morrison's. With not knocking I'd it. love to see you in Morrison's. Can and you tap imagine? Shoes. I'll be camp, but <laughs> but like, thank God because 
I think if you don't have the fear behind you, you're never going to put the best the best work in. And that's why I always say, because I, cause I feel like I've had to work the hardest to get to where mm. I want to get to. Um, it's the fear of me choosing this life, choosing this career. Because no, no one's told me to be a performer. No one said, you should be a performer. They said, yeah, you're good. But no one said, you should take it as a job. It's my choice. So if you're choosing something which you know from the get-go is a risk and you're not scared, you you better you better pack up and do, do something else mm-hmm. because you should have the fear of God in you that you will never work again mm-hmm. and never make money because no one's told you to be a performer. No one's told you to do this 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 industry. But but we do it because we have to. There's no choice. One thing that feels so kind of over with you is that you've not once like appeared or it sounds like felt like you were the victim even though you've had many experiences within your life where you could have easily kind of expressed yourself as that and and I would have gone yeah absolutely right mm. do, do you have you learned that or um oh my god I've had a lot of a lot of things against me in terms of like I've had, even at Lippola I've had teachers say to me you shouldn't do this you should try something else all this kind of stuff but from when I was a kid I've always felt that I was gonna be doing something amazing i've always hung on to that um i remember when i was at um do you remember that magazine it was like a young co- like co- cosmopolitan like mm. a young but for like for teenage girls like like young cosmo teen cosmo teen that's the one <laughs> well my friend um had had an issue of that i remember this vividly because i was like oh my god this is crazy um and there was like a teen tarot card in the thing like, <laughs> like mini things you know crap do you know what I mean? yeah. just like a piece of paper yeah just do, 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 give, give the girls these tarot cards that will do <laughs> that will sort them out so she got these tarot cards out she was like oh my god daniel let me, let me do your tarot she obviously can't do a tarot for a save a life but she's like, <laughs> so she's shuffling these cards and and she was like i'm gonna read your tarot thing i was like okay go on then show me show me this card flew out the deck now i'm not thinking she just she chucked it i'm telling you she was shuffling and the card <laughs> went zoop, out yeah. of, out the deck landed face down okay so i was like oh my god magic let's go stuff she pulls out she pulls up this card, she picks it up and she picked it up and she was like, It's the star card. And I was like, Oh, what does that mean? We look we look at the explanation and the star card was like, um, you're a star like teen like teen cosmo, you're a star, you're you you're gonna be famous, you're gonna do this and that, you're 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 destined for great things, something like that. Love it. And I was like, giving my church background but i'm not christian but i'm very spiritual yeah. <laughs> um maybe gullible who knows but I, I was like if this card has flown out of this deck and it's landed face down and it's a star card okay i think it's proof that i'm destined for something so that's always been in the back of my mind for everything i do like i always felt like i've been you know working towards something don't know what it is i'm, I'm probably not even there yet i'm uh, this is probably just my drag race platform is probably just the next platform up to where, where it's mm. gonna be but I've had a lot of people say to me, "You're not going to do that. You're going to you're going to fail this at the other." And I heard this amazing quote from Shangela actually from Drag Race um, America, and she was saying on her tour about um, her All Stars experience when they kind of got, they voted her out of the bottom two. She couldn't she couldn't win, and she said, um, "I'm paraphrasing now, but she basically said um, there might be a lot of people who are against you, who don't support you, who will never lift you up, who will never support your dreams." But if you are the one person who has that absolute belief in what you're doing, you're a winner already. You're an absolute winner. So I've had that. I've had teachers, I've had friends, I've had people say to me, this is never going to work for you. There's no, no one lift me up, no one support me. But because I've always had this inner thing of saying, 
yeah, but I think I'm meant to be doing this. Mm. I know right now I'm a bit shit or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I'm not very talented right now. I'm not doing, I'm not singing the right notes. I'm not doing that, the, like the, the fundamentals I'm not doing correct. But I feel like I'm meant to be doing this. I can't explain to you how I know this, but I just feel like I should be. And that's why I say, no one's told me to do this, but I felt like I have to. There's no, there's no other choice. And I've tried other things, but nothing's worked. And does that positivity, because I guess, yes, that's ambition, but also you're so kind of overwhelmingly positive. Does that <laughs> just come naturally? Or do you have to work at it? Be honest. You have to work at it. You can't be, you, if you're naturally positive and naturally happy, you, you're probably, you know. I'm well. Sorry. Yeah, you're probably, <laughs> sorry, you're probably a bit crazy. Yeah, like yeah. you can't. You, and I think you have to have so many people saying to you, no, no, no. So you build, it's not even a thick skin, but you just build that, that, that thing of, yeah, but what if what if you're wrong and I'm right? And I always, and I don't mean it in like an arrogant way or whatever, but I always felt like when people were telling me no, I'm thinking, yeah, but what if you're wrong? Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I, sorry, what I mean, I guess, is in yourself. Like, oh. do you have days where you're like, this isn't my day? Oh, yeah, like- of course. Absolutely. Of course, I'm human, of course. Um, but I, again, I, but I take myself back to that. It's like, it's only for today. Yeah. It's, it's literally for today. It's, and, and when today could literally just be an hour, I'm feeling like, oh, I feel a bit shit. But yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've just always had it. I've just always had that positive mm. mindset of, I'm just going to carry on. Even even when I'm, again, being told no, being told you're shit, you're not going to do, do any more. You just go, you've got that kind of shoulder, that positive shoulder, which is your own shoulder, yeah. to make you go, I feel like I'm going to start crying. Uh, but you, know, you have that kind of positive shoulder, which you've kind of created for yourself, to go, no, you know, you're right. You're doing the right thing. You're a bit shit at that, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can fix that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah that sounds like it's the uh, vinegar in you. So thank yeah. you for spreading vinegar <sighs> wide today. I'll shut my legs now. They're drenched. <laughs> um, it's been a true joy and um, an absolute kind of shining light in the middle of uh, coronavirus season. Corona season. <laughs> She's going soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.